0: Good morning, good morning Rabbi Utai. Welcome to Breakfast in the Class. Breakfast in the Class today is sponsored in loving memory of Lillu Nishmat, Dinabat Farida, Alea Shalom, sponsored by her daughter Lizette Gindi. As well, sponsored by Robert Marcus, dedicated in honor of Rabbi Shlomo Fari and Rabbi Ariel Mizrahi. Thank you so much. Sponsored by Chaim Eisenstadt, dedicated in honor of the Kahal and in celebration of Chaim Eisenstadt's birthday. Happy birthday, Miheila. Breakfast in the Class is also dedicated in loving memory of Coach Jan, and his daughter, Megan Sandusky, sponsored by Maurice and Mickey Terzi. Also dedicated in honor of Bobby Shamsian, Eliyahu Ben Sion by his wife, Alyssa, and his baby girl, Maya, in celebration of his birthday. May it be a year filled with revealed blessings and lots of light from Hashem. Dedicated in loving memory of Albert S. Cohen, alava shalom, lilu Avram Ben Frida, sponsored by his grandson Morris Franco. And as well, the Week of Kobu, sponsored by David E. Ash in honor of you and your substantial capacity to do good today and every day. Hazaku Baruch. Mishibarachatina Wiza Okay, let's get started. My friends, our parashah begins with the words, Eile Todo. These are the generations Abraham Ulid et Yitzhak. Abraham gave birth to Yitzhak. And the rabbis tell us actually, what is this? Statement: Why is this statement coming into play? That Abraham gave birth to Isaac. Rashi brings down the line from the Chachamim, which says as follows: Shehayu The scoffers of the generation were saying, "Oh, okay, right. Sarah became pregnant from Abraham. Abraham's hundred years old, right? He became, she became pregnant from uh, Avimelech. The kid is not even Abraham's. The kid belongs to Avimelech." Some of you may have heard of Avimelech's hit song, The kid is not my son. Either way, Avimelech comes forward and, you know, and, and he gives all of these uh, animals to, and gifts to Avraham Avinu. Do we remember why? Do we remember why Avraham gave all these gifts to Avraham Avinu? Now, it's so important to understand this because this is such a classic rule when it comes to your local Orthodox lets. Let me explain what I mean with this idea and hopefully uh, you'll find this as uh, powerful as I did. You know, our rabbis tell us that God ensured that Yitzhak would look like Abraham, but not a little bit. Identical to Abraham, they look like twins, ya'ani. Why? To remove all doubt, because the scoffers were saying, Yitzhak is the son of Avimelech, okay? that's. Uh, what the Gemara Gemara tells us. The problem is that once, three problems. Avimelech had to pay a fortune to Avraham Avinu and Avraham Avinu had to pray for him because when he took Sarai menu right? Sarai menu all of a sudden, everyone in in Avimelech's kingdom, his whole palace, all the staff, everyone, they couldn't go to the bathroom anymore. They became Akara. They were in tremendous pain. And he realized who he was, God appears to Avimelech and he tells him, give back this woman, otherwise, uh, you're, you're gonna remain stricken forever. He comes to Avraham, he begs him, he gives him all these gifts, he says, please pray for me. This was a very famous incident. Problem number one. Problem number two, Rabbi Otay, When did Avraham, when did the story of Avimelech take place? The story of Avimelech took place uh, in the store at, uh, at the time, okay, and this is fascinating. This is after Ishmael is born. So we know Abraham is capable of having children. Number, right? Second part two to this second problem, okay? This story of Abimelech, the night Abimelech took Sarai Menu, how long before Yitzhak was born was that? Let's go, let's make the Cheshbon. When did got when Abraham prayed for Avimelech, not only did God remember Avimelech, but also in the aftermath of that, when what happened? Sarah. God remembered Sarah Imenu as well. That day was on Rosh Hashanah. That's why we read that on Rosh Hashanah, right? We read that God remembered Sarah Imenu. He opened up her womb again that she should be able to have children, okay? Then the Malachim come on what day? We know what day they came, because they said, on this day, you're going to have a son next year. What day is Yitzhak born? Pesach. That means from Pesach when he was born, the Pesach prior, the Malachim came. Before that, on Rosh Hashanah, is the story of Avimelech. That's a year and a half before Yitzhak was born. How do we need a... this Judge Judy? We need a paternity test to be able to decide who the father is? Jerry, Jerry. Is that what's happening over here? It's a year and a half before. What is with these letzanim? Makes no sense. Okay? Not only that. Okay? Not only that, my friends. There's one other big question that we are all aware of. The pasuk says, banim sarah. On the day that they made this big party for Yitzhak, for the birth of Yitzhak, all the ladies in the area, they brought their children to Sarai, Emenu, and Sarah was nursing, not just Yitzhak, all the other babies as well. So they were all able to see that this woman was now capable of fulfilling the processes that are required to not only, be, to, not only to have a child, but to sustain one. Why did God need the miracle of Yitzchak looking like Abraham if he had all these proofs that the Letzaneh Hado were wrong? That these scoffers, these jokers, these cynics, Why do we need to prove them wrong? Why did they need this last piece de resistance? Probably said it wrong, because I'm not French. Almost, how do we say it right? Pièce de resistance. de resistance, okay. I feel like I need to eat some cheese now. Okay, where's my baguette? Okay, my friends, listen to this, this is amazing. Rabbi Galinsky writes, he quotes a pasuk. The pasuk says, Garesh lets v'yeseh madon. Banish the lets, the scaffer, and the fights will cease. Banish the cynic, okay, and there will be no more din v'kalon, embarrassment, judgment. What does that mean? He says, let's go back in time to the very first avon. The snake takes Chava, he pushes her into the tree. And he says to the woman, he says, Look, you see, nothing happened to you. The whole thing is a joke. This God, he's telling you not to eat from the tree. You know why? He's jealous of you. He doesn't want you to be a God. That's why I told you you can't eat from the tree. Remember that? Right? She told him, based on what Adam Arishon had told her, not only are we now allowed to eat from the tree, we're now allowed to touch it. He pushes her into the tree. She falls against the tree. He says, See, you touched it, nothing happened. That's a lit, that's a scoffer. Because, one second, hold on. God had said on the day, according to what she thought, on the day you eat from it, but she thought also touch from it, you're gonna die. Stanna, tell the snake, oh, you, you, you're right, you pushed me into the tree, nothing happened, but he didn't say the second you touch it. He said that day, come back tomorrow at this time and we'll have a feast. We'll have etz hadat infused omelets. Right? We're, she doesn't wait. Not only that, you want to tell me it's the same thing if you ate of your own free will, if someone shoved you against the tree against your will? That's the halakha by all sins. What happens if so? We know if someone you know, kills somebody else, they could get the death penalty. How about if I take your hand, hold it on a gun, pull the trigger while you're holding it, I effectively force you to kill some, no one's gonna think that you get the death penalty. Why would she think she got a death penalty for the snake pushing her into the tree? And how could she possibly deduce anything logical from it? This is the most obvious question in the world. My friends, the answer is, such is the power of alitz, of letzanut. The power is, we take all logic and you throw it out the window. Eh! What is that? The rabbi said it ridiculous. The Shabbat, Ridiculous. This guy, black hat, mahmir, a lot of words we could use to throw a guy off a cliff. And you know what? Once the guy uses the dismissive language, you're able to reject to throw out your own powers of deduction, your own powers of understanding in ascertaining what that means. The most powerful thing in the world is letsanut. You make fun of something. You look at today, I mean it's unbelievable. On, on television stations when they, the way that they mock, the way that they mock uh, uh, the, the, the president, the way they mock elements of society, the way that they mock, and you're trying to have a normal conversation about whether or not this is correct or incorrect, and they're just, rip, just joking and you know, and immediately the whole concept of being able to work something out logically is out the window. You ever try and have a conversation with someone who's cynical about something? It's never going to work. But why won't it work? It's just not going to work. Why? But how do you know it's not going to work? Oh, I tried it already. But that's completely different. You tried it with a different industry and a different market. It's not going to work. When a guy is set in that cynical mindset, there's nothing in the world that could change him. What's the only thing that will be able to change him? Is if Yitzhak Avinu looks like a photocopy of Avraham Avinu, all the dates not working, all the svarot, all the ideas, all the proof, Saraymen who's feeding all the babies in the neighborhood, right? It's, nothing's enough. So HaKadosh Baruch Hu needs to go to the extra mile until, you know, garesh lets. My friends, there's two parts to this idea of banishing a lets, of banishing someone who's a scoffer. One element is You have a guy like that in the community. So instead of trying to reason with him, sometimes the only way is to be able to put him in his place. The only language he understands is the language he himself is speaking. No logic, no proof, no... I had a guy once arguing with me in halacha, So I said, no problem, let me show it to you. I'll show you where look, Hamavadiah says over here, the Gemara says over here, right, this is the... He goes, yeah, but how do you know any of that was made up? I said dib, (laughs) fool, dib. You're asking me how I know that's the halakha. I'm showing it to you in the books that dictate halakha and you're asking me how I know that that's not made up. Maybe it's made up, but then there's no halakha. Do you understand? So how do you deal with someone like that? How do you deal with someone who's being a cynic or a scoffer? And it's not just about issues of religion. It's not just about issues of religion. How about in the family? How about in the fa- within family units? You know, so you're telling someone, "I'm making this." You know, I'm, I decided to do this. Oh, you're always, you know what? Then go do it. You always, you always favor the, the oldest. Have, have you had this ever? You, you just like, you just like the oldest kid the best. You just like her the best. Oh, she's she's a daddy's girl. You always side with her, right? It happens. Families get torn apart over these things. And you say, what do you mean, honey? What do you mean? Do you remember when I gave you this and I bought you that and I set you up like this and I invested like this? Nothing works. So what is someone supposed to do? What do you do with that? Right? The kids argue with you. Your wife is telling you, you don't love me. How do you know? Because if you did, you would do... But what about this and this and this and this and this and this and this? Don't even bother. The modality... Of Letzanud. You don't have to be a scoffer to enter into the scoffer's airspace. Sometimes that's the mindset that somebody's in. Recognize that at that stage, logic is not helpful. And what do you do to respond to that? Either you're going to show them Abraham photocopy Isaac, Shalom a Israel, or if you're not going to have that, don't even engage. Just walk away. I, I looked at the pasuk. I said, "Garesh us throw out the scoffer. Go try and throw out a scoffer. <laughs> Sometimes the way garesh lets you throw out a scoffer, is by walking away yourself and leaving him behind by himself. Sometimes in an argument, when someone's in that mindset, the only way to, to have is to walk away. Shabbat shalom. Have a nice day. You know, maybe we'll talk about this when you're actually interested in having the conversation. My friends sometimes a lets is not actually a willing participant in their own letsanut. I say that again. Sometimes a lets is not a willing participant in their own letsanut. Sometimes something makes a person a lets. And I may explain. I had someone once that suffered a very deep personal tragedy. I walked into the shiva, I sit down and one of the kids turns to me, he sees, just I walked in, there's a room full of people, he goes, what do you got to say about this one, Rabbi? <laughs> I was like, what? He goes, my father died young, big <laughs> sadiq, big, everyone loved him, big Balasidaka. what are you going to say about this one, huh? How can you going to explain this one? You you got an answer for this one. Shema Israel. Have a nice day. Can't do that. So I said to him, in as gentle a tone as I could, in as loving a tone as I could, I cannot answer your question. And he said, Why? Thinking I'm gonna say, I don't know. I said, because you're not asking a question. He's not asking a question. Let's say I had the answer. Let's say the answer was Douglas Adams 42, meaning of the universe, goo. I gave him the answer. Whatever the answer was, I don't know. I tapped into God. I know the answer. The answer is because he, I don't know, killed somebody when he was young. I don't know. I had an answer. Is the kid gonna feel better? You attack someone like that when the rabbi just walks into the ship. What are you doing? You're expressing pain. His pain made him a leds. His pain made him want to attack something that he knows is true, has an answer, not me, Bure Olam, because he's upset. And I explained to him. I said, your problem here is that you're hurting. What you're really asking is not why did God do this, but I feel terrible. Why do I feel this way? I don't want to feel like this. Any intellectual answer is not going to solve an emotional deficiency, an emotional problem. So I'm sorry, I don't have an answer for your question because it isn't a question. It's a statement of pain. Rabbi Shmuel Salant once walked into a shiva house and he walked right up to the mourning family and he starts giving them words of comfort, you know, blessing them, making them feel loved, connected. Someone afterwards came up to the rabbi, you always have people like this in every Keilah. He goes, rabbi, you know, you said, you opened up to them, you started speaking. Doesn't the halacha say that you're not supposed to speak to the mourners before they speak to you? Shema Yisrael. Everybody's a posseg, right, you know? He goes, this is the rabbi Shmuel Salant. Rabbi Salant looks at this fella. Why is someone like that coming to you? They just wanna get you. They want the gotcha moment. I got the rabbi, I got him. <laughs> I was never so happy as the day he walked into a shiva house and saw the rabbi speak to the, to the people first. Rabbi, doesn't it say Rabbi Shmuel looked at him, he says, didn't you hear when I walked in how they were all crying out loud? Don't you think that those sobs speak at least as loudly as the words that Halakha mandates you wait for? They're all crying now, Isaiah. Had like, oh, they didn't say, they didn't say hello. Wait, wait. Majnun. But people sometimes get put into that let's, to that let's situation. And you can't talk to them. And recognize that if you can't talk to the lets, what do you do? So I'm very fond of this. What is someone supposed to do when they have a let's in their nest? Not only lets on Judaism, like I say, could be let's on your love. Ah, you don't love me. Yeah, you always Yeah, oh with friends. Oh, oh you you're sorry. You so, okay, alright, alright. What are you supposed to do? I love this Pasuk. The Pasuk says. Don't give rebuke to a let. Maybe he's going to hate you for it. And he will love you. Give to a wise man and he'll love you. So I read this pasuk. I was like, this is supposed to be the smartest of all men. Shalom, you don't need to give to a chacham. <laughs> the only guy you need to give to, to is the let. So what are you telling me? Don't give tochacha to a scoffer because he's going to hate you. And I saw the most beautiful understanding. Shalomu HaMelech says, Nah, don't give to a let. That's not what he means. What he means is, relate to the lets as if he's a chacham. Find the guy that needs that. Don't go to him, bash him, yell him, prove him. lechacham. If you came to a wise person and you gave him tochacha, because he did something that was wrong. Wouldn't it be with the utmost humility? How do you speak to a Chacham if God forbid the Chacham did something that you need, tell him he did wrong? Happens, and by the way, sometimes people are not trying to gotcha. Rabbi, I think maybe, how do we say it? I I think, I'm not sure, but I think, right? With that, I know you didn't mean to, I know you probably, if you approach the let's that way, where well, you're not, the gloves are on, he's not backing down. Take the gloves off, give him the hug like you said, Maurice, show him the love that he needs, don't try and engage with him in big machlokot, in big, uh, you know, uh, uh, how do you call it, fights. I'll end with this. There was a fellow that came into the town of Brisk. He was a new general for the army, and he, he walked into the city, and on the very first day that he's appointed, had that the general, whatever, governor, he walks into the city, he says the school is closing down in 30 days. I'm sure he gave all sorts of reasons why the yeshiva had to close. They were probably, the classrooms were too cramped, probably uh, they didn't learn enough uh, uh, Russian, I don't know what it was, right? He gave a lot of different reasons, I'm sure, but bottom line, why is he closing the school? Because no, there's no love lost for the Jews. They're going to close the Jewish school down. They did it all over. Anyway, all the people from the community, they got together. They went to the guy. They're going to do what they always do. What do they always do? What's the same move? Go bribe the guy. That's what it was like. It was, they, they, the decrees were there only in order that they should get the bribe. Anyway, the, the whole contingent comes in. They, you know, they look about the guy. They read up about the guy. They see his shoes. They see his house. They figure, you know what he needs? He needs a thousand rubles, the guy. That's what he needs. That's what's going to sway a guy of his stature with the bribe. They walk in and they tell him, look, you know, we understand the thing with the school, but please, if there's any way, you could look the other way. They're reaching in for the money. And before he sees them reaching for the money, he says, if you bribe me, I'm going to arrest you. You have 29 days now, your school's closing. The people come back. They'd never encountered this before in their town where the, where the people couldn't be bribed. It was always, anti-Semitism was always about getting something in return. And that's how they, they operated. They ran to the rabbi. They said, Rabbi, we're not going to have a Jewish school. He says, leave it to me. He, he said, just tell me one thing. How much do you need to be bribed? So they said, a thousand. He says, leave it to me. They said, Rabbi, he said, if you come brib- try to bribe him, he's going to put you in jail. Leave it to me. Next day, blazing hot day, sun high in the sky, midday, the rabbi comes, he knocks at the door. The general hears from his uh, assistant, The rabbi of the Jews is here to see you, the briskerov. He goes to the door. Who's sitting there at the door on this blazing hot day with the sun up at the top of the sky? Is the briskerov schwitzing, sweating like you can't believe? Sweat running down his faces. He's wearing a big fur hat fur coat, gloves, a scarf, galoshes, okay? The heat at the hottest day of the year. Anyway, he walks in and he makes a whole show. He takes off his hat, he takes off his coat, he takes off his gloves, he takes off his scarf, he takes off his galoshes. The rabbi, he's looking at the guy, the rabbi, he says, what's the matter with you? It's so hot outside, you're sweating like an animal. What's the, the rabbi says, look, I have a grandma you know, whenever she tells me something, she's always right. And my grandma told me that today, it's gonna to be pouring rain, there's gonna be a storm. And you know what, my grandma's always right. So I left the house this morning. I put on the, the hat and the coat and the thing. I don't wanna get stuck outside, catch a cold and die. So I'm dressed like this. The rabbi, the guy walks at the window, blue skies, blazing sun. He says, Rabbi, look, I, don't, I think your grandma let you down. He says, look, my grandma's never wrong. Why don't we make a deal? Okay? If my grandma's right, you pay me 10 rubles. If my grandma's wrong, I'll pay you 1,000 rubles. How that looks at the sky. (laughs) There's not a cloud in sight. It's uh, 95 degrees. The rabbi's predicting a snowstorm, you know. (laughs) He says, okay, I'll take that bet. Anyway, he says, why'd you come uh, to speak to me? He goes, look, you know, uh, the school, uh, you know, it's an important thing to us. The, the guy, the, the man says, listen, Rabbi, there's nothing, my hands are tied. The rabbi says, look, okay, I understand, look, I felt like I had to come ask you. <laughs> he goes out, end of the day, sun sets, of course, not a drop of rain. The rabbi comes back to the man, knocks on the door, as soon as it's nightfall, according to Rabbi Tam, the latest night uh, light, time, he comes in, the guy opens the door, he hands him a 1,000 rubles. The guy says to him, he says, you don't have to give me, Rabbi, it was a joke. It was blazing hot sun. I didn't, he says, look, if if it had rained, would you have given me the 10 rubles? You would have felt like a dip. You would have sent it to me, right? The guy says, yeah. He goes, okay. So he goes, so if you would have paid me the 10, I gotta pay you the 1,000. He gives him 1,000 rubles. The guy puts it in his pocket puts it in his pocket, the rabbi says, and please, help us out with the school. The next day the decree is canceled. All it took was a clever way to get the money in his pocket. Once the money is in his pocket, it don't matter if it says bribe on the envelope, right? It doesn't matter. The whole mechanism of a bribe is that the person is favorable towards you because you gave him something. The guy tried to not take something. The rabbi was smart enough to figure out a way to give it to him without calling him that. You have someone in your family, in your life, that is cynical, that is a scoffer, that's not willing to listen. What do they need? They need love. They need acceptance, they need respect. But the problem, Maurice, is you go to the lit and you go, oh, come here. What do they do? Figure out a way to give him a hug, to give him a love, to give him a loan, to give him a respect, and just write something else on the envelope. The minute a person does that, the lets his defenses, they fall. Don't don't, don't give him, don't, don't give him a a rebuke. Figure out a way that he should feel like he's a chacham, and then he'll love you for it. May God bless us, to figure out ways to work with all the difficult people in our life. Baruch Adonai